Introducing From the Glove Box, an automotive podcast with Mike and Tony Tavage, the father-son team and owners of Team T Automotive in Northern Indiana. Today's topics are Ford versus Chevy, luxury cars, and your AC. Hey, this is Mike and Tony Tadich from the Glove Box back with you with another episode. Um, how are you doing today, Tony? Pretty dark and small in a glove box. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Yeah. Good. Average. Tony will never come on to this episode and say, great. Best day ever. I'm just fantabulous. There you go. Yeah. That's uh, now that that's when you know he's lying. So going to be down the road. He lives in a town that says good town, not great town. Yep. So got to be gotta that be, If we strive for a C plus in Bremen. Yeah, we got to yeah, We're mediocre is good yep. enough for us. Yep. So um, anyhow, enough of that. So I guess as we're. That could be a topic. That could be a topic too. But uh, <laughs> right now the topic we talked about, which is, you know, this is going to be an interesting one, but we're going to, we're going to take it on any, anyhow. So, and we have a lot of different battles, which. Which cars better? Which you know are European, German, you know, um, Asian cars, American cars? What are better? But there's no battle. I'm just always right. Yeah, that's yeah. Now you know my life, everybody. So <laughs> dealing with dealing with this stuff all the time. I wasn't even bleeped. I bleeped myself there. I caught that. So anyhow, the old battle. You know, there was a movie not too long ago called uh, Ford versus Ferrari, but this battle today is uh, Ford versus Chevy. Who's better? Trucks, SUVs, sedans, on and on and on. What's Mike Tadich's personal policy about uh, Ford vehicles? Or vow to himself? <laughs> well, I did get through most of my life without owning any, and then I looked around in our company, and for some reason we had three Fords, and I respectfully vowed not to own another one. But hey. No knock against that. Everybody. What's drive- the only Ford you've ever owned that was worth a damn? Oh, probably that Free Star van, I think. No. Oh, what? 1931 Ford Model A. Oh, yeah. That it did have a Model <laughs> A. That's true. That that was that was a pretty good one. I did like that Ford. That's All original, true. flathead four-cylinder. Yeah. That, Unsynchronized that, transmission. That's, that's true. That was a good one. But anyhow, you that know. That was the most reliable Ford we ever owned. I don't know about that, but. Hey, I could get out and clean the float out of the uh, uh, fuel system and be back on the road in two seconds. Yeah. When that six liter uh, diesel broke down, it was two weeks before we're back on the road. Okay, here we go. So, you know, so the old battle of, uh, you know, probably on, at least on the American side. And then again, we have other battles, you know, German cars, you know, and the, you know, whatever they think are superior and yada, yada, yada with that. But Ford versus Chevy. So why is it that every German car owner owns a Ford truck? I haven't figured that out yet either. I'm not sure either. They're just gluttons for punishment. Let's, let's get back. Let's stay on. Let's focus. Let's focus here. Let's get get it dialed in here. Ford versus Chevy. If you're if you're an American, this has probably been a battle for you know a lot a lot of years and stuff. Ford led um, in number one sales of you know vehicles, trucks specifically for you know a lot a lot of years. I don't know if that ever takes a. Is it actually true? Well, again, you got Chevrolet and you got GMC. Um, I don't, I haven't seen late st- statistics, whether the combination of both those uh, are, makes more or not. But anyhow, I think um, let's talk about a few things uh, on the truck side of it. I mean, Ford, 
You know, they, 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 they all build great vehicles. And if you like one or the other, <coughs> you like the other one to sell a lot of their vehicles. So it keeps the price down. If you only had one of them that was great, then the prices would be. So competition isn't a bad thing in between. And even, you know, we could, you know, throw uh Dodge Ram trucks in there as well and stuff, but, uh, uh, or maybe we won't. We'll just keep it to this battle. But yeah, uh, let's dodge that. Yeah, we're gonna dodge the Dodge. But uh, it's not a Dodge anymore. It's a Ram. I said Dodge Ram a little no, bit ago. No, it's just a Ram. Okay. So all right, here yeah. we go. Now you know again. Now you know. We'll the, make that class of people. Now mad you know the too. life I deal with all the time. It's like Tony's. Not everything has to be a discussion into an argument. Doesn't have to be that way. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, Ford versus Chevy. Uh, been a battle for a long time, you know, Ford truck lovers love their trucks, you know, Chevy people love theirs. I think for me, um, I've always thought that a Chevrolet, the way it was made pickup truck, that is road better, the type of suspension Ford used a, uh, suspension called a twin eye beam for a lot, a lot of years. It was a really good heavy duty, but you know, it, it was a little rougher riding truck. So I think if I looked at those, those two versions of that. Uh, Ford's used, you know, several different diesel engines in theirs and stuff. And they've, uh, you know, definitely probably been the superior one in building diesel trucks and doing a good job at that. Um, and I think as we look at modern trucks, you know, all the, you know, all the brands, you know, trucks have become a secondary vehicle or a primary vehicle in a lot of fat families. I remember being in England several years ago and I, I asked the guy uh, that was driving us around London and I said, why isn't there that many pickup trucks around town? And he says, well, because we are not farmers. And I thought, well, in America, um, a truck has been, is, is a modern staple. You can ask my father-in-law, I'm not a farmer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure you're not, but, uh, um, but anyhow, <clears throat> trucks have evolved into a, you know, a primary driving vehicle. They make some very, very luxurious, luxurious trucks. You can buy a truck, 75, 85, 95, probably a hundred thousand dollars now in a, in a modern pickup and or stuff. more. Yeah, they are. You're getting but, a dually diesel. But, um, I think, you know, you know, Ford has, you know, probably is, is known as the first, you know, mass transportation, uh, manufacturer, you know, they built, uh, you know, a lot of cars, uh, you know, even back into the early 1900s and stuff. So they, you know, did that Chevrolet, uh, part of General Motors now, um, was its own company and General Motors, you know, had Oldsmobile and Pontiac and Cadillac and, and, uh, uh I'm missing one, aren't I? Buick, uh, still around. And then of course, GMC truck. So it had a, you know, a lot of different versions with that, but, you know, <clears throat> I mean, seriously, Tony, what, yeah, um, what's your take on the, on the Ford versus Chevrolet battle. Ford circled the problem and highlighted it blue. So, all right, here we go. So we're going to lose, we have 10 listeners and if five of them are forward owners, we just lose them. That's we, fine. We just lose them all. So yeah, that's how Ford that. owner talks. So stop. All right. <laughs> they even got Brody laughing. Yeah, that Brody, Brody have to cut that portion of, it, portion of it out. But anyhow, um, again, I think they both, I think the thing, here's the thing. Ford makes an extremely nice truck. They do, it, hands down. The King Ranch truck, they're high-end trucks, they're nice vehicles and everything else. I just don't prefer them. I don't like how they're built. I don't like how the engine's structured. I don't like how the transmission's set up. I don't like how it feels inside. It's a nice truck. It's nice for somebody else. It's not nice for me. So 
the thing is in 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 Ford for years used the 54 uh Triton engine and everything. It was the number one reproduced uh engine aftermarket remanufactured engine because it had so many problems. It had a, a sophisticated timing chain setup that still to this day Literally, I just got off the phone ordering an engine for a 5.4 to be able to be put in an F-250. So, you know, it, it's the number one replaced engine still to this day from Jasper. So, it, you know, the whole the whole engine setup of the Ford pickup truck, in my opinion, was just junk. They finally figured out how to fix the power stroke from the 6 liter to the 6.4. I can't tell you how many classes we've sent technicians through for power stroke problems and everything else and not to say that other manufacturers don't have problems but it you know it's just it's it's issue after issue and it's major issues it's not minor stuff well they also um, uh using the ford side of it they also say well, we built more so we're going to have more problems because we built you know a lot more trucks and yeah stuff. they they can say that so ford always comes out and says oh the number one uh selling truck and blah 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 and you never see that really brought to attention from an outside source just like you never see any other car manufacturer have a jw power award like gm does left and right all the time so you know they can all go out and start their own awards company and everything else and be able to have that so i think the the advantage of a gm truck is you know it's flaws you know if you go buy a 3500 gm truck it's going to have the same front suspension that a 1500 has that's why it has problems. That's why it eats ball joints and everything else on a do. He's talking about whether you buy a half ton pickup, a regular one that you uh, buy for a daily driver, or a thirty five hundred series is like a one ton, more of a a work type type of tra- chassis. So Tony's stating Chevy has a problem. They you know haven't beefed up that suspension near as much as ford has in their heavier duty application and, so, and to throw a dodge out there you go by a dodge you can get a you can get a straight axle across the front end so still to this day which is going to ride like crap but it's going to be heavy heavy duty so i think i think if you're looking at the base model truck that most of our listeners would look at you're looking at a chevy 1500 a half ton chevy and you're looking at a ford f-150 and it is my personal belief that for the base model truck that most people are going to go buy for a daily type of driver, that you would be much better off buying a Chevy half ton than you would a Ford half ton. And yet uh, the sales numbers don't show that. So a lot of people buy. We don't know that. We do know that. So this is the, this, we haven't got into that in any of our episodes, but he's a little bit of a conspiracy conspiracy theorist. So we have to, we have to watch that side of it also. But anyhow, I think that, I think we'd wrap it up with this. They both overall build a, a whole bunch of trucks, SUVs, cars, cars. Hey, we don't, we didn't talk cars about cars much because <laughs> yeah, they don't make them. <laughs> cars are gone. So SUVs are more popular and stuff, but I think and over, I'll tell you what, neither one of them build an SUV to save their life. So <laughs> well, both, both their SUVs are junk. Well, so. I, I wouldn't say junk, but they have, they have their issues. If you but, drop below the expedition in Ford's lineup and you drop below the Tahoe, in Chevy's lineup, it does become. We're way over on issues. time here. Okay, man, we got this cranked yeah, up. Good luck editing this, Brody. I think I think this one <laughs> we would round, round it up and say either one of them probably a really good new purchase. If you're buying a used vehicle of any brand, take it to your local service center, your independent shop, have them check that car out or truck or Especially SUV. If it's a Ford. <laughs> Stop it! Oh my God! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
But anyhow, have have your shop, check it out. See if you can get past service records. See if you have a little bit of history, how it's taken care of, how it's driven, all those type of things. And nice uh, thing about the Ford truck is the glove box is a lot more spacious. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to stick Tony in a glove box right after we get done with this episode. Anyhow, Mike and Tony Tadich, independent shop owners in northern Indiana from the glove box. Hey guys, as shop owners, uh, can you tell if luxury cars are worth it? Hey, Mike and Tony back from the glove box, uh, sitting here, uh, we got a caller, caller called in and, uh, our luxury cars worth it. So, you know, it's a pretty general statement. Um, I mean, as cars, you know, have modernized, you can get a lot of luxuries, a lot of features on a, on a, you know, basic car, basic truck and stuff. So but are luxury cars worth that? So I don't know uh, what makes them so expensive. I mean, we can talk about that also. I mean, it's probably the difference of, you know, do you buy a, you know, buy a pair of shoes at Walmart or you want to buy a set of Nikes? Yeah. Well, you could probably buy Nikes at Walmart, but there are different versions, but yeah, there's a lot of different things. So, you know, so the questions honestly, you know, fairly, fairly wide open, fairly broad, but uh, you know, what's your, what's your thoughts on, uh, you know, from our side of the business, from service and cars, your side on the luxury cars. That's very <laughs> Just why don't you narrow it down to a few things that you see of so no. So I want you to think about this. In in most people don't realize this, but all luxury car manufacturers are tied back to let's call it a generic manufacturer. So Lexus is produced by who? Toyota. Infinity is produced by who? Uh, Nissan. Uh, Acura, produced by? Honda. Uh, Cadillac, produced by? Uh, GM, Chevy. Yeah, essentially. So, you know, Lincoln, Lincoln. Lincoln's dead, but Lincoln, isn't it? No. Mercury's, uh, that's Mercury's true. gone. Mercury's <laughs> dead. Yeah. So. Hey, you got that, you got that uh, actor guy that's on all the Lincoln commercials yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Matthew McConaughey. Uh, yeah, Matthew does all links. So yeah, it's not yeah, dead. It's, it's alive. Dead. Those are yeah. they got the all well, they got some It's produced by who? It's a Ford product. Yes, yeah. it is. So, so uh Genesis is produced by one of those uh Korean Hyundai. cars. Hyundai. Yeah. And Kia's got uh uh what is Kia's? Uh, I don't remember. There's a high end version of Kia now. So I want you to think about a luxury car. There's going to be just be things on a luxury car that you can get. We'll use a Lexus for an example. So you can buy an RX 350 or you can buy a Toyota Highlander. It's the same car, but there's going to be don't creature. Tell your, don't tell your mom that. It, it is. So so if we lifted the, the, if we cut the body off and just left the floorboards and took all the carpet and everything out, you couldn't tell the difference between the two cars. So they're, they're identically the same in, in most of their characteristics that way. So every once in a while with a luxury car, you might get a slightly different engine package or something like that. But most of the time, what you're paying for with a luxury car is you're paying for a quieter ride. So it's going to have a heck of a lot more insulation. It's going to be quieter inside. Um, You're paying for usually nicer seats, maybe a different trim package. A lot of cars offer red interiors or the new coffee type of interior, uh, uh, the, the brown looking interior and stuff. 
sometimes you can't get that in a base model. You can only get that in the luxury line. So you're paying for more creature comfort benefits, that type of stuff that way. And maybe for a quieter, smoother ride in some instances. Um, so, you know, it's really up to, to who's buying the car. So most people that you see buying a luxury type of car are people that are going to, to probably be in the top, you know, 5% as far as money earners, or, or maybe somebody that's just a massive car enthusiast that, that wants that luxury car. So they're willing to make some sacrifice in some other areas of their life to have the luxury car. Um, you still have some people that buy luxury cars for status symbols. Uh, Mercedes is still out there making cars. Little known fact, Mercedes is basically a Chrysler, which is basically a Fiat. So, uh, that's not really true. So uh, it's close. <laughs> no, so, sorry, public for you, Mercedes owners. That that's not true totally, but they are, they are generally owned by this, you know, by the same. Yeah. So, so similar things, but anyhow, yeah. but, but going, going to that side of it, I mean, BMW, Mercedes, I think when we go to the luxury side of the car and what makes them expensive, a lot of those cars and even Lincoln and Cadillac and, and, uh, you know, uh, Lexus and stuff, they do make a lot of performance option they do. cars. So there's a lot of expense in that. And, and, uh, you know, so there's a lot of different variations. So you can take this luxury, you know, you get power seat that instead of, you know, moves four ways, it moves 12 ways. And then you get heated seats and air conditioning well, seats. And, and that's kind of where I was going is, is if you go BMW, if you go Mercedes, Audi, even Audi's the high end version of a Volkswagen. Um, but if you go those three, those are probably three of the most popular, you know, luxury type of, of lines that way, Audi, BMW, and Mercedes, you are not going to find that specific engine package for an Audi in a Volkswagen Jetta. It, they don't do it. So it's a totally different engine package, got more high performance stuff. You know, BMW is not tied to anybody. They're their own. So um, they share some characteristics with some different manufacturers and brands. They might they might uh, build a transmission at the same plant as somebody else, or so on and so forth. But it's going to be all their own. You're not going to go find a Mercedes engine in a Chrysler product. It's it's not out there. So that's where they get into the more performance side of things in in more unique side of things. Yeah, no, and that's a that's a you know good thing with that again the bottom line is anything that costs you more that's a you know a more expensive sound system in your home or a more expensive swimming pool or you know uh sofa or whatever i mean there are luxuries and features and benefits and you're going to pay more for that and a lot of times in our shops um there are cars some of those are going to be more expensive to repair so you know, don't go buy a, a five-year-old Mercedes and expect to come in and get it fixed at the same price you would a Ford or a Chevy. Yep. Um, it, it has. So, and make sure you pick, you know, shops that can, can service those types of things. But, you know, I think, you know, I think if we flip that around, even for a lot of people across the world and especially in America, a car is a status symbol. So we, we want to drive that, that car with that certain logo in the front grill or those certain you know, creature comforts and, and all those types of things. And a lot of those cars, I want, I want the logo to be on the ground when I open the door. Oh yeah. So they get the little light that shows, yeah. just shines it down there and stuff. But I mean, Hey, Mercedes and, you know, and BMW make a car probably under 40 grand. You know, they may, they make a lesser expensive one, uh, for people. C-class. 
yeah, for people uh, entry level to get in their brands. You know, uh, uh, Toyota. We talked about Toyota and Le- Lexus, but they had a they had a brand uh, uh, Scion a few years back that uh, you know was kind of they they thought it would be that entry level college age kid comes out and buys one of those, and then they would you know move them on into a Toyota and then a, a Lexus and stuff. So I think you've seen a lot of cars that um, extend brands, and you've seen probably in the last 20 years, a lot of standard brands add a luxury brand, like yep. you said, with Lexus and Acura and all those types of things. But again, I think you get what you pay for. And if those are, you know, creature comforts that you want in that chapter of your life, then, you know, go buy one and enjoy one and stuff. There's a lot of different, uh, cool alternatives to get that. I mean, you can get a, you get a Cadillac Escalade, uh, that can haul your whole big family, Tony. And, uh, with, High performance engines now and all sorts of cool things. Uh, yeah, they're coming out with the Escalade V. Yeah, eight hundred horsepower. Yeah, just yeah. What, just exactly what you don't need. So I keep I keep waiting for the the uh, the off subject, but now I'm going down that rabbit hole. So I keep waiting for the uh, Pacifica Hellcat. <laughs> yeah, let's 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 put a Hemi oh, engine in. A, I want a Hemi eight hundred horsepower supercharged blown engine in a minivan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what everybody wants. So I, I I wonder why they haven't made it yet. But uh, oh, it'd be sweet. Yeah, but that's a little bit about you know the luxury uh, types of vehicles. There's a lot of choices and opportunities. You know there are there are um, places like Consumer Reports are a great place to do some research. But you can do a lot of different research on it. But just googling things sometimes there's false information out there, or sometimes there's inf- information driven by a manufacturer. So. Anything used, as always suggest, or even new, talk to your local service center, your independent shop, get an opinion um, on, uh, you know, what they think of that. And they can tell you, hey, that's a great car, but it's, you know, normally 20% more to repair that car than than another car. But um, that's a little bit about this, uh, um, you know, this segment and the, the caller calling in and that's asking about luxury cars and what makes them so expensive. That's us from the glove box. Driving the discussion today is brought to you by Auburn Gear. With Auburn Gear, you enjoy the top of the line American made diffs. Our extensive lineup includes specialty models for your specific needs. From everyday driving to performance racing, hauling loads on the highway, or conquering the toughest trains. Auburn Gear has satisfied power enthusiasts for over 50 years. Visit auburngear.com for more. So, hey, Mike and Tony Tadich back with you, uh, driving the discussion. So we wanted to talk about the air conditioning system and what tune-ups or what type of maintenance do you need to do on an air conditioning system. And I think uh, I'll turn it over to Tony and he can give you, uh, are you, are you, okay with giving an opinion today on this episode i don't give opinions okay i state facts yeah (laughs) okay here we go again (laughs) um yeah so you're going to get an opinion from tony and a fact or and the facts could be tony's opinion but they if they're tony's opinion they are fact according to tony so you'll get that side of it but anyhow (laughs) servicing their conditioning system so it seems like nobody brings in their air conditioners uh uh, to our shops until they break and yeah. and i'll let tony give you a little piece of that but i'm going to tell you what 
the air conditioning system, if you added up all the components in an air conditioning system and where they're located, they're really more expensive than your car's engine and your car's transmission. They are sometimes together. Yeah. Some, yeah. Sometimes hugely expensive, but everybody wants to, you know, go get a little Freon shot in their car and get it, you know, juiced up for 50 or hundred bucks and stuff like that. But I, th- I think the subject is really what's good maintenance for that. Good maintenance for that. So AC is ever evolving at this point in time. So you have two different types of Freon out there now. Uh, technically there's three for some older cars, but you're not supposed to have R12 in your system anymore. So I, I can't remember what era that was kind of before my time, but uh, that that got switched over and stuff. But you have 134A and then you have 1234YF. So starting in about 2015, uh, some car manufacturers started using 1234YF. Um, there's not as much maintenance to that system yet being a new system for a couple different reasons. Number one, it is a very, very expensive Freon. So if your car has a 1234YF system, um, which you can find either in your owner's manual or when you open the hood of your car, either on the bottom of the hood or on the uh, front section just above the bumper, um, uh, like where your hood release cable is, there's going to be a sticker there. It's going to tell you what Freon your vehicle takes. If you have a 1234YF system, I can pretty well guarantee you, in most cases, you're going to spend anywhere from four to $600 just to be able to evacuate and recharge your system. So a much more expensive system to just do a general recharge than what customers are used to why did why did we switch to that why didn't we just keep that that stuff called r134 uh that's up to people a lot smarter than me so <laughs> oh my um, gosh tony 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 <laughs> admitted that did you hear that everybody so, so um a lot of it has to do with uh what effect it has on nature on the ozone yeah, on the layer environment and, and on the environment so we continue to make these changes because your house has a freon type of uh uh fluid in it too to cool yeah. air conditioning it's just a different product than what yep. we use in vehicles because we get in vehicles and we get in collisions and we can have that system explode when you get in a yeah. head-on collision with that so there are different properties in the and i don't i'm not a chemist so we're not getting into the deep of that but there's different properties in those uh in, in cars uh nowadays uh versus the houses that that really need to be safe uh, for all, you know, you have a gasoline engine and you got all these other things with that. So the other system is 134A that's still probably more popular at this point in time. Uh, it's it's more, uh, it, it's easier to service a 134A system. A um, couple things with that is Freon can, can evaporate um, up to half a pound a year. Most 134 systems only hold anywhere from one to maybe two pounds of Freon in them. So a lot of people wonder, well, I feel like my AC isn't working as well as what it did last summer. Well, you could need a basic evacuation or recharge. One big issue that a lot of us in the automotive industry have is in order for us to go buy any type of Freon, 1234YF, 134A, we have to have certificates in, in everything else to be able to go buy that. We have to pass tests, that type of stuff, to be able to buy that Freon and put in your car. Well, you can go buy shots of Freon over the counter at a parts store, and you can put that in your car. I've literally had cars come in with 
with pressures on the low side, which most of the time should be a lower type of pressure under 100 psi, um, that type of stuff. I've had low side pressures come in at four or 500 psi because people have just kept putting shots of Freon in their car to try to get their AC system to cool, and it's not the proper way to do it. So, so I want you to think of that. Tony's talking about how much you fill these system up, systems up, and we talk about they hold two pounds of pressure. But just think about it in a tire's a situation. If a tire is made to run at 35 pounds PSI um, and you go put 60 pounds in it um, or 100 pounds, you could blow the tire up, but also the tire is not going to work as well. So the air conditioning system, as people... Um, too much Freon uh, R134 is is just as bad as not enough, yep. probably worse. Um, so that's why we don't advise that you attempt to service that system yourself unless you have proper training, proper gauges, um, because it is... And the it, gauge on top of the uh, uh, AC can that you buy, um, the, the AC Pro can is what you see advertised all the time, is not an accurate gauge. They can say what they want all day long. It's not an accurate way to fill your system. And that's one of the things, I guess, being in this business for as long as we have, we probably get a little mad at some of those TV commercials for do-it-yourself, not because we just strictly want you to come to our shops and service cars, but because it's it, a lot of it's bad advice. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just, you know, some of these... It's a bad over-the-counter drug. Yeah, it's, it's, it's some stuff that just, you know, people shouldn't be messing with, but... We talked about at the beginning of this segment, you know, if I had just on an average car, let's just talk a, let's just talk a, you know, Ford F-150. If you replaced all the components in an air conditioning system, what would, I mean, ballpark, if I had to put every new component air conditioning system, how much do you think it'd cost, Tony? On an F-150, probably five grand. Yeah. I was going to say 10. Well, once you get labor and a lot of the if stuff. If you go throw like an expedition out there that's got rear AC, which we haven't touched on you're probably talking 10 because it's got an evaporator core in the front dash and it's got an evaporator core in the back because it's got two separate AC systems. Now, the question with those vehicles always is, and minivans and in GMC Acadias and stuff like that, is, well, just disable the rear AC. Well, it's not that simple because they all run off the same Freon. So we have to go in and physically either cut lines and put uh, uh, pieces in to be able to disable that system or by block-off kits, or whatever that way, then we have to figure out the pressures of what to put there. The other fallacy of Freon that really bothers me with, with people is, well, just put a shot in it for me. It should cost you 50, 60 bucks. That doesn't work either, because the only way to know how much Freon is actually in the vehicle currently is to evacuate the Freon out of the system. And evacuate means basically take it out of the car, and then reinstall it and systems get moisture in them also. So if you, your air conditioner at your house has that little pipe that lets water come out on that hot, humid July day, or your car has a little puddle underneath it because that's taken that, that moisture out. And if that moisture, the evacuation allows us to dry out the system to get it back to running properly, which again, you can't yeah. do that with a home kit. So and, think, there, and there is no dipstick on a train or on a uh, AC system. No, so. but I think to wrap it up on the service side of it, I think taking it in, maybe you know, if a car is of one or two years old, not a big deal. But probably year three, year four, getting it in every year, every other year, do a general check over. Most of those should be less than a hundred bucks. Um, 
there's a behind the grill, there's a, there's a component that lets the air in. It helps cool. It sometimes needs cleaned. There is a cabin filter in it, uh, in your car, just like your furnace filter at home. And a, a shop can take some basic pressures. They can do an evacuation and recharge and really clean that system up. And, and a lot of those type of maintenance things that we do in our shops are to keep you from having that five or $10,000 huge bill or even a thousand or $2,000, but a little bit of proper service before it does. So if you're a homeowner, you may have your furnace uh, serviced, you know, every year, every two years or every, every season and stuff like that. And I think the air conditioning system and heating system really in your car, uh, uh, does the same thing. So that's a little bit from uh, from us on our topic of, of this segment. Uh, Mike and Tony Tadich from the Glove Box. Hey, this is uh, father and son team, Mike and Tony Tadich. Uh, just want to thank you for hanging out with us again today. So you got anything to wrap up, Tony? It's uh, uh, shutting the glove box time. So we'll see you next time on the next episode. Take care, everybody. Make sure you're here for our next one. Have a question for Mike and Tony? Call it in at 888-201-0858. This podcast is brought to you by TMT Automotive and Momentum Drives Marketing.